Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. I'm Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Together, we're the founders of Good Egg Investments and creators of the Real Estate Accelerator. We help real estate investors and syndicators build their brands, find the right investors for their deals, and scale their businesses so they can do more and bigger deals. We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back, friends, to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Dickerson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Nick Stageberg. Nick, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be here. Fantastic. Well, you have such an incredible story, and so I'm excited to dive in with you today. Start by sharing with our listeners. I always love hearing how people get into real estate. So how did real estate come to be part of your journey? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I come from a, a technology background. My wife comes from a medicine background. Real estate's kind of a kind of a random thing in some ways. But, um, you know, I had the, the great privilege to get in at the ground floor of a, a very successful tech startup and was looking at getting this, uh, you know, potential windfall of capital uh, and doing some very deliberate research into how to not end up like one of these people that win the lottery and they're bankrupt the next right. year or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and then also to look at the tax consequences of that. So if you get a, you know, a really big check, uh, there's a really big tax bill to go with that. And my research kept coming back around over and over and over again to, uh, to real estate being kind of the most, um, you know, uh, safe, reliable, consistent, uh, investment vehicle. And, uh, I liked that it was tangible, that it was a, a hard asset. It was more interesting to me than, you know, taking that big payday and putting it in the stock market or something like that. I liked the, um, you know, kind of the, the philosophical uh, truth of putting that money into Main Street instead of Wall Street. And uh, I did a I did a, a proof of concept uh, sweat equity renovation with with my wife. Uh, she was uh, actually uh, actively miscarrying our first child as we were uh, laying ceramic tile floors in that property. It was a, a class D single family home at the time. I didn't know what class D was. Uh, yeah. but we learned we learned everything on that that proof of concept property. Um, you know, ironically that, uh, that big payday that I was expecting from that tech startup, uh, did not, did not come to fruition. And, uh, for, for a moment there, I had kind of an identity crisis and I wasn't sure, you know, for, for most of my life, I was the, the, the computer guy, the it guy, the tech startup guy. And I had to really kind of decide who I was very consciously for the first time. And at first I thought that, uh, that proof of concept property was like a poke in the eye, a reminder of this thing that didn't happen. And then when I, when I thought about it, I was like, man, this is actually like the most successful thing I've ever done in my whole life. We bought this property for $35,000. We did about 17,000 in sweat equity. You know, we had very little money at the time. Elaine was in residency. I was on a, on a skinny tech startup salary. And so we were like doing like maxing out our credit cards to buy materials. 
And then we did a, a cash out refi. This was back before Burr was like a word or whatever. And I'm like, I know if we can just add enough value, we can like get our money back out and do it again. And so we uh, we were about 52,000 all in. We did uh, $57,000 cash out refi. It was worth like maybe $85,000 when we got done. And you know, I got all of my money out and then it was still producing cash flow and paying down the loan and appreciating. And, and so when I really had time to think about it, I'm like, man, this is like the most successful thing I've ever done in my life. This is more successful than <laughs> yeah. tech startup things. And uh, I'm just going to do this uh, over and over and over again. Um, you know, I, real estate is not an easy thing, but it is easier than, than tech in a lot of ways. If you can manage, uh, you know, my, my last role in technology, I, I provided technical leadership for 13 teams of engineers. So uh, wow. you know, uh, a pretty huge amount of responsibility <laughs> yeah. and budgets, and very demanding work schedule. Real estate's easier than that. And, uh, um, and, and, and the amount of leverage you can get in real estate is what really sets on fire. So uh, we, we just really leaned into that and it's never looked back ever since. Um, so we have a portfolio of uh, you know, about 130 million in total assets under management right now, about 600 doors. Uh, we've just kind of you know, slowly and then quickly grown that portfolio over time with that exact same uh, business model that, that really has changed very little in the many in the you know, decade that we've been doing this. That same formula still seems to work well. And uh, that's how, that's what brought me here today. You know, as you're telling your story, it's reminding me of how they always say, you know, what if life doesn't happen to you, life happens for you. And that windfall that you were expecting, though it didn't happen, look at the trajectory that it set you on. Absolutely. And had that not been part of your path and had that not fallen apart, then you wouldn't have discovered this and you wouldn't have gone down this path, right? Maybe at that point, maybe you would have put that chunk of money, a big chunk of money into a piece of property and gone on your merry way, right? But the fact that it caused you to reflect and you, and I, I took that away from your story that you were very deliberate. You didn't just fall into anything. You did your research and your due diligence. And not only that, you put your money where your mouth is. You didn't just research it and read some books. You said, okay, I'm going to do a proof of concept. I'm going to try this out, see if it really works on a small scale. And I'm going to give it my all putting it on, you know, maxing out your credit cards, going all in. And that's what, that's what breeds success. And I think that's the difference between those who make it and those who don't is the ones who are willing to go out there and take massive action. Those are the ones who see the momentum and the results. Absolutely. Uh, life is happening for you, not to you. Uh, that's a, that's a Tony Robbins expression. And, and Tony's a, a huge mentor of mine as well. And uh, that was, that was really a, a turning point in my life. So I had like, you know, uh, PTSD from my first tech startup, uh, uh, right before the company sold for, you know, a, a nine figure sale. Uh, they terminated me, seized my stock options, kind of cut a big piece oh. out of the pie essentially, uh, which is actually not that unusual in tech startups. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look, huh. look at Facebook and, uh, uh, Apple, you know, all those stories, like there's people who get cut out, uh, almost every time. And, uh, man, I, uh, I just had this giant chip on my shoulder, uh, for years about that, for years, I carried that with me. And then I went to a, a Tony Robbins seminar and he gets you into this peak state where you're totally unstoppable. And then he challenges you and he says, I'm not saying this is true, but, but what if it is true? Uh, I want you to think about the worst day of your life. I want you to think about the worst thing that's ever happened to you and just, just live in that energy for a moment. And then I want you to imagine what would your life look like if that was actually the best thing that ever happened to you in your whole life? 
and that sounds like complete BS, right? But then you think about it and you're like, you know, how would that impact my day-to-day life? How would that impact the story I tell myself? The my, How would that impact my identity? And uh, in that moment, I, I let that go. And, you know, with the utmost sincerity, I do actually think that's the best thing that's ever happened to me because if that didn't happen, I would still be in that toxic IT startup pressure cooker world where you're working 100 hours a week on the hope for some future big sale that may never come. And it was only because I clutched that so tightly that it slipped through my fingers. And I'm so glad it, it was taken from me because, you know, it's, it sounds absurd, but that, you know, that, you know, say $1 million I would have gotten from that sale, like that's not a huge amount of money to me these days. And there's no way I would have all the things that I have today if I didn't lean into the truth that that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And there's no way I'd be able to impact all these lives that I'm able to impact today. I would, I would still be stuck in that thing. So only we get to choose what anything means. And um, I am so glad that, uh, that I went to uh, an Unleashed Power Within and uh, Tony convinced me that that was the best thing that ever happened to me. It's so powerful. And it's true, right? It's, it's all about the, the story and the meaning you assign something and the perspective that you bring to it. And it's never fun. It's never fun living through those moments. And, but you just got to trust that it's happening for a reason. And more often than not, when you look back, you can see, oh, that's why that happened. Um, And I'm so glad that your story has turned out as it has. And so, okay. So take us back. So you did that first property. It, It was a proof of concept and you started. So were you then, were you like, okay, now I'm going to do more of these single family homes and do the Burr method and just collect these houses? Or how did you then scale to where you guys are now? Yeah. So in, uh, you know, one of the things that really sets us apart, I think, is uh, my wife is a physician. I have this IT background and we take the disciplines and strategies and methodologies and tools from those trades and apply that to real estate, which is kind of a, a regressive industry. There, it's not, no one's going to say that real estate is a super uh, forward looking. Cutting edge. Or, or yeah. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's very likely that, uh, you know, the, the person you're buying an apartment building from is about 80 years old and still right. doing their accounting <laughs> on paper. And yeah, it's just yep. the norm for the industry. Um, so we have basically, uh, you know, taken all those different things and applied them to, to real estate. One of those things in, in tech is you, you try to double up. So that's a, that's like a good target. Like 10 X is a good mindset thing, but it's really not a good thing from a logistical perspective. So what's the shortest number of days or what's the shortest iteration that's going to take me to double. And that's a really common strategy in tech. I've not quite heard of that in real estate, but that's, that's how we approached it. So, okay, we got one house, let's go get two. Okay. Mm -hmm. We've got two houses. How do we get four, you know, or units or however you want to think about it. And that's kind of always been our growth target. We've, we've been able to exceed that most of the time this year. We will, uh, you know, quadruple in size. Um, so we only had like 25 or 30 million in assets under management at the start of the year. We'll have 125 million here at the end of the year. Um, and so, you know, each step of the way, you're just thinking about what's the bottleneck in my value pipeline. That's another tech kind of methodology. What's the bottleneck in my, in my value pipeline to allow me to, to get to the next doubling? And so, okay, sweat equity cannot double you very quickly. Uh, so we need to hire <laughs> some contractors and then, mm-hmm. okay, we need a better solution for collecting lease agreements and everything. Uh, and we grew our own personal portfolio uh, for a while. Um, and we got up to, I don't know, 20 properties or something like that. And that's when I, um, you know, kind of, I guess, declared personal financial freedom and, and stepped back from my, my day job, which 
was it was a hard thing to do. I really love. I was uh, serving the Mayo Clinic at the time, just an incredible institution. Like uh, it's actually in my wife and I's trust that they'll get a bunch of our money, whatever's left over when we die. Uh, just an amazing mission that I was able to make a huge difference. But it just didn't just didn't make sense for me to keep doing that. And uh, and then the big the big thing was when we started working with investors. So um, so again, at, it's actually at the Unleash the Power Within. So Tony Robbins, he you know you've got ten thousand people in the stadium, and he says, "Who here?" Uh, owns their own business. Everybody raises their hand. Everyone there is an entrepreneur. He says, who here is happy with how their business is performing? And nobody raises their hand. And he says, I'm, I've got a, a harsh reality for you. The reason why your business is less successful than you would like it to be is because you're not listening to your customers. You, you, you say you are, but you're really not. You're, your, your customers are screaming at you with what they want. And you're telling yourself a story that I don't want to do that. I don't know how to do that. I can't make money doing that. And you're just focusing on the thing that you want to do, not the thing that they want to do. And, you know, Tony has a universal message, but I felt like he was like speaking directly to me because I had actually made up, uh, I had a script to turn away business. I had to, I had to create a metaphor. So many people would come to us saying, we really love this thing that you're creating. We want you to create that for us. And I said, we love raising our own children, but we don't want to open a daycare. We don't yeah. want to take care of other people's kids. <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, oh man. And, and Tony, you know, challenges you. He says, you need to ask yourself higher quality questions. Like what would the business model need to look like where I can meet these mm-hmm. people's needs or yeah. how can I create this value? Who can I hire that would do really well at meeting this need? Um, and when you ask yourself high quality questions, you get high quality answers. So the, you know, the, the, the modern kind of version of our business was just born in that instant. And I went and called like the last 10 people whose business I had turned away in the last month and said, hey, I don't know how this is going to work, but if we bought some properties together, would you be interested in doing that? And 100% just said yes on the, wow. like in the moment. And I'm just like, gosh, darn it. Like how, <laughs> how long have I been, you know, how, how much business have I turned away here? Oh, and, uh, and that's really what brought us to our, our place today. And that's how we've really exponentially grown since then. So it's kind of linear growth for many years and then just exponential growth since we started partnering with investors. Oh my goodness. That's so, it's so true, right? If you just stop for a second. You really listen to what people want. They'll tell you, they're already Mm -hmm. telling you and Mm -hmm. they're not going to be shy. They, they may not pinpoint exactly what it is or how they want it done, but they know what they want. And if you've got the ability to have those insights and to pivot and to grow, to accommodate, you know, also as, as Tony and Jim Rohn say, the more you, you see success, the more that you can help other people see success, something Absolutely. like that. I probably I, I still do that, that to this one. day, <laughs> right before this call, 138 million assets are management. And the, yeah. the call I did right before this was, I called one of our outgoing tenants and I said, mm-hmm. why are you leaving? You know, yeah. uh, what, what can you tell me, you know, that, that we can improve upon? Cause the people who live in your homes right now, they don't really want to give right. you feedback or fear yeah. of retribution or something, but okay. that exit interview, like sincerely asking your customers what they want or prospective customers, whether they be investors or tenants, um, it's the most important work I do. Having a really in the trenches, honest to God view of how we're doing as a company and where the gaps are. And like you, you talk to 10 people and half of them, at least one of the things they say are going to be the same thing. Like you just have to ask and ask sincerely and people will tell you what they want. And, and there's the value right there. Mm, I couldn't agree more. 
And so, okay. So tell us a little bit about, so once you made the shift and started working with investors, tell us about how, well, how did you go about doing that? Was it a completely different business that you built or were you able to evolve what you had built for your personal portfolio? Yeah. So, um, very little changed about it. Uh, exact same business model. We're, we, we like to, to not fix what's not broken. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we're, we're kind of hopelessly monotonous. Uh, Gary Keller says the undoing of most entrepreneurs is becoming bored with what works. And I couldn't agree more. So it's the exact same business model we've always done. Nothing has changed. Um, but anyone who invests in real estate for a while, eventually they run out of money. They, they run out of you know, down payments, essentially, to, to put, put down on properties. And even though our velocity of capital is extraordinarily high because we're able to do these cash out refis very quickly, exceptionally quickly, like we only have so much capital. And um, you know, we started seeing deals uh, you know, come our way in our, our kind of uh, funnel. And we're just like, gosh, I really wish we could buy that one. Oh, I wish we could buy that one. And the bigger we got, the more of these deals started coming to us that we had to turn away. And so we just started partnering with investors and saying, okay, we're going to start saying yes to, to all these opportunities. And uh, so we did a, a bunch of uh, joint venture partnerships. So, uh, you know, like one deal we did earlier this year, we bought a, a $10 million apartment building. We had one investor that brought a, you know, $2 million check to close. It's so awesome when it's just such a simple, you know, small partnership group like that. And then we just launched our, uh, our private equity fund. Um, so we, we have a $23 million asset that we're going to acquire here at the end of the year. And uh, we actually filled our fund in, um, in, in just a few hours. It was pretty crazy. The webinar turned into a, a telethon. It was a $10 million raise. We raised $16 million in about four hours. Um, but we just, uh, we take that money and we run the exact same business plan we've been running for ourselves for years, just kind of, kind of on repeat. We'll go buy uh, assets where there's some kind of value add potential to it. Maybe it's management, maybe it's physical improvements to the property. Uh, we'll, we'll execute that business plan and then we'll do a, a cash out refi. And historically, we've been able to achieve that in relatively short order. Now, it's been a good time for real estate and the wind's been at our backs. It's been at everyone's backs here. So you know, maybe it'll take longer to refi in the future, but we'll, we're frequently able to refi in as little as a, a year. So that, that $10 million deal that I mentioned with that joint venture partner, we'll, we'll do a full cash out refi on that deal in a single year. So you're, uh, you're into uh, what we call an infinite rate of return. And then hopefully that investor wants to you know, go invest in the next deal with us when we oh, give them yeah. $10 million uh, <laughs> back. And, uh, and we have a really unique model. So we try to keep things incredibly simple. Uh, we don't have a, a waterfall. We don't have any fees whatsoever in the fund or in our joint venture partnerships. We, uh, we allocate 100% of all profit to our investors until they get a full return of capital. And then it's a 50-50 split after that. So there's no pref or catch-up pref or handling you know, cash flow this way and capital events this way and sales proceeds this way. It's about a six second elevator pitch. You know, you get all the money until you get <laughs> yep. your money back. And then we split it 50, 50 after that and everyone gets it. And uh, it just, it, it, it works, it works beautifully, uh, especially when we're able yeah. to achieve a, a quick return of capital. It's a, it's a really win-win structure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine that webinar turned into telethon. Oh man, that must have so the been energy such was, a good time. was off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I know we've talked um, previously about your target audience. And I always tell mm -hmm. people that's such a big part of 
the success of a business is knowing not only what you want to do for people, but who you want to, whom you want to serve. Right. And so I feel like for you guys, you have that so dialed in. And so tell us a little bit about who your target audience is and how you came to sort of hone in on that uh, group. My, my wife gets all the credit for this. So, uh, I would, uh, you know, I kind of joke that she, she raises the money and then I spend the money and that's just kind of how it's always been. And a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, groups that do what we do, there's, there's frequently that partnership. There's one person who's kind of raising mm-hmm. the money, another person who's yep. spending the money, sometimes a third person, you know, doing operations or something. Um, so she's a physician and is, uh, you know, an administrator of kind of the largest group of physician real estate investors on Facebook, uh, just really well plugged into that community. And uh, many of our physicians are, uh, or I'm sorry, many of our physicians, many of our investors are physicians uh, or other uh, high income you know, professionals. So I, I kind of speak to people in the tech sector. So one, one of the individuals who just placed capital our fund is a, a Tesla employee. So he has kind of the exact same problem that I had that kind of got me started down the real estate journey. So we have a lot of tech people as well, uh, a lot of attorneys and accountants and you know, people who have kind of a, a high income and we like to say that we turn paychecks into prosperity, you know, turning uh, this, this kind of, uh, you know, W-2 income that you have into an, an infinite rate of return. Um, so we're, we're very dialed into that community. We, we're very targeted in, in who we serve and uh, people who have more money than time. They don't have a lot of time to go uh, to a million different webinars or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the, the situation may be. We give them a very easy product that's very simple and they're able to make a very quick decision. And yet, yes or no, they, they make a quick decision because they are very pressed for time. And, uh, and it's been a, a really phenomenally successful thing for us. It really helps us build out our, our whole organization. So, um, you know, we don't, you know, currently court institutional, you know, investors or anything like that. They, you know, uh, hedge funds and REITs do reach out to us from time to time asking about partnering. We're like, no, we really just kind of serve this audience. We've got amazing marketing, amazing staff that know how to kind of speak that language. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't need to be sophisticated, but it needs to be quick, concise, and professional. And uh, those those you know customers we're actually kind of swimming in uh, in Christmas gifts. I think we've got about fifteen <laughs> Christmas gifts stacked up in front of our office door right now uh, from from our investors. Uh, and uh, it's it's just so rewarding to have that personal relationship with people to help them grow their wealth. And uh, and you're right, it's it's all about knowing who your audience is. Yeah, and that's such such a key insight. There is around like so many people are afraid of nailing down their target audience and their investor avatar because they're worried, okay, if I choose this one fictional persona, that means I'm turning away everybody else. But as I always say, it's the complete opposite because as you just talked about, once you nail that person down, then you can say, okay, what are this person's struggles? What are their pain points? What are they looking for? And how can I fit what I'm doing into that mold so I can be the solution for them? And so once you figure that out, you're like, okay, these people are really busy. They may not be very financially savvy, even though they're making a lot of money. How can we give them something super simple? It's easy to understand that they can look at real quick and be like, yes or no. And clearly, because you've nailed that down, that's why so many people are like, yes, this is the product for me. They're nodding their heads as you're talking, I'm sure, because it resonates so perfectly with exactly what they need. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing I think we do that really sets us apart is um, yeah. if we merely make money at this, we we consider ourselves a failure. We have 
a very different kind of set of uh, principles that drive our, our property management company. We're, we're vertically integrated. We own our own property management company. Um, we think that the, the relationship with the tenant is really the core asset. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that like to you know, invest in socially conscious stocks or anything, but as real estate investors, as property managers, we have the privilege, the honor, the duty to serve people in one of the, the most profound ways that, that they will be served in their, in their whole life. And we get to literally make the world a better place to live. Like we talk about ending, you know, world hunger and these kind of high-minded abstract things. No, what if you had a landlord that answered the phone when they called and solved mm -hmm. maintenance tickets mm -hmm. when you submitted them and just cared, just, you know, so we just yeah. took over three apartment buildings yesterday and we are having the longest possible phone calls we can have with every single one of those tenants, one-on-one -on -one phone calls. And it's so important to have that personal connection. We know that as we go through these, you know, value add plans, we're going to be raising rents that could have an impact on people. We're super transparent about people. We're going to be making huge improvements to this building. Is that something you're excited about? Oh, you, you are excited about this. Let's get you into one of these renovated units at the higher rental rate as soon as possible. Oh, you, you've been living in this building for 50 years. We actually, one, one of the tenants in the buildings that we inherited, they've been there for five, zero years. Wow. This is going to be the last unit we renovate. Like it's not doing society any good for us to, yeah. to renovate that unit mm -hmm. and to potentially displace that person. And here's the crazy thing. Doing the right thing is actually really profitable. If you take care of your tenants, like they're going to tell all their friends, like, hey, here's a landlord that really seems to care about me. You should, you should apply. You should live here. And people appreciate a premium product at a premium price. They, they don't mind paying a higher rental rate if you provide them with an incredible place to live with an exceptional level of customer service. We try to be the Chick-fil-A or Apple of property management, of real estate investment, and people appreciate it. Um, so I think that we really set ourselves apart by not just trying to you know, make money for ourselves and our investors. If we're not creating honest to God value for our tenants and for the communities that we serve, if we're just going in and trying to kick people out and raise rents as much and as fast as we can, we just don't think we're doing the right thing. But the crazy thing is, it's actually really profitable to do it that way. And uh, we, even if it wasn't, we still wouldn't want to do it any other way. And I think that's a message that really resonates with our audience as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that doing the right thing is profitable. And yes. it's clear there's so much heart behind your business and in everything you do. And it's no wonder you've seen the success that you have. And isn't it funny now it's come full circle and you're able to serve those same people whose shoes you once were in. That's right. Um, and so everything, like we said, everything happens for a reason. Well, Nick, I know that we've only scratched the surface and there's so much more that our listeners will want to dig into and learn more. So tell them what's the best place that they can go to follow up with you or learn more about all that you're doing. Absolutely. They can go to blackswanteam.com. We have links to our investor portal if they want to join the waitlist for fund two coming later this year. They can check out our course, uh, Single Family at Scale. We give away our whole playbook for free. Uh, well, we give away 100% of the proceeds and we ask that you make a donation commensurate with the value you receive from it. We don't, we don't give it a give it away for free, but we give away 100% of the, the donation you make. Uh, we think that what we do makes the world a better place. And if everyone just copied all of our best practices, the world would be a, a better place. And maybe one day being a, a landlord or being a tenant wouldn't potentially be a pejorative uh, kind, of, kind of word. 
Um, and you can just learn more about our team and our mission and, and what we do. So you can go to blackswanteam.com. Blackswanteam.com. I'm going to go right now. I want to sign up to be part of the, that next fund or that next telethon. It sounds like a blast. <laughs> it'll be a, It'll be a party. Yeah. Oh, well, for all of our listeners, definitely follow up with Nick. As you can tell, he is rocketing to success. He and his whole business. And so um, be sure to follow up with him to learn more. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see all of you on the next episode of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com and please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you. And if you got something out of this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe to this show and give us a rating and review. We promise to read your feedback and take action to continue to make this show even better and more valuable for the real estate syndication community. My name is Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight community.